Hello, I'm Sarah Khan and welcome to Backing Brilliant Business, a series by Radio Centre. They're the people helping businesses of all sizes grow with great radio advertising. In this series, I will talk to guests who want to share their own unique expertise and experience to help you with your business. From marketing experts who have reshaped how we see a brand in the marketplace, to entrepreneurs who've started at the bottom and are now at the top of their field. Each episode, we'll look through our guest CV to discover the most rewarding and most challenging aspects of their career so far. And we discover their three key lessons in business, the learnings, advice and practices that they want to share to help you be better at whatever it is you do. In this episode, we're joined by Theo Pafitis. Theo Pafitis is a retail magnate and entrepreneur who's experienced incredible success throughout his career. He's the owner of stationery chain Ryman, the homewares specialist Robert Dyers, and lingerie retailer Boo Avenue. He's best known for his appearances on the BBC business programme Dragon's Den and as the former chairman of Millwall Football Club. Now today he joins us to talk about his theme, Don't be afraid to dream in business. With hard work and a bit of luck, they may come true. He'll also share three lessons that will help you with your business. So Theo, I'm going to just kick off. Imagine me as a good-looking version of Lord Sugar. I've got to imagine a hell of a lot to find a (laughs) good-looking version of Alan Sugar, haven't I? For goodness sake. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go through a little bit of kind of your life CV, just to give us a really good insight into how you started in all of this. And I always start with my lovely kind of participants. I'm asking, first of all, what was your first job when you left school? Well, that is really, really easy because that's where it all began. I left school at 16, had a Scottish certificate in colouring in maps. I struggled at school. I was dyslexic. That really was an issue with taking exams, and it wasn't really recognised either. So I left school. In fact, they encouraged me to leave school. It wasn't really my choice. When you talk about dyslexia, how did it affect you? What was it? Well, begin with, I can't spell. So I mean, I can't spell for toffees at all, right? And my recollection of words is very, very difficult. Numbers, I'm really, really good at. And reading is a nightmare. So I can read before anyone says, oh, look at him, he can't read. It's done well for someone who can't read. I can read. But it takes me a long time to read and take the words in. So that's a really difficult thing to give me a question on a piece of paper and expect me to understand it and even attempt to answer it is a big ask. And then there's the attention deficit which you know i'll be looking out the window anyway for most of the time but when it came to numbers my brain was quite wired up well so i could do those in my head quite quickly myself and my school agreed that it was best for me to um leave at the tender age of 16 with my scottish certificate in coloring in maps which is geography and i sent loads of applications hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in those days you had to either telephone or send a letter asking for an application form. They send you an application form, you fill it in, and they put it back in an envelope, put, put a stamp on it, and send it. And then you hoped for a response. Well, 90% never even bothered responding. And the 10% that did, it would, thank you very much, don't call us, we'll call you. 
Then I went to some employment bureaus and eventually I managed to um, get a job, which was marvellous. And it was um, assistant filing clerk to the assistant tea stirrer in the Lloyds of London brokerage in Borough High Street in the city of London. I hadn't quite realised that the reason I got that job was I was under 18. I hadn't had a job before and the government would pay £1,200 to any business that would employ somebody that hadn't worked before. So I was quite excited. I borrowed a suit. It didn't quite fit, but it was matching trousers and matching jacket, a tie, and off I went to jolly work. And it really was great. And after a year, they called me in and said, look, we love having you here, but we haven't been able to find a file since you joined. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have to try and make do without you. I was quite devastated at the time, but then, and now, of course, I realised it wasn't my fault. Blatantly, it was their fault. Fancy employing a dyslexic to do filing. It's not very clever. Some great things came out of it. Number one, I got some job experience. And number two, I met Mrs P there. She was the receptionist when I did my, went for my interview. So um, it wasn't all lost. When you look back on that time, Theo, I'm just imagining you walking into this, you know, quite big posh place, 16 years old. Where was your confidence and self-esteem about yourself? Because I can imagine that even from the young age, can imagine you having a personality and people warming to you. Now, you're going to find this really hard to believe. You're going to say you're really shy. I was incredibly shy. Not only was I incredibly shy, but I suffered badly from drying up. I was so nervous that my mouth would be as dry as carbon. So I was incredibly nervous just going up the stairs or in the lift. And by the time I got into an interview situation, I was literally in pieces. And I really do think the only reason I got that particular job was I got kept waiting in reception and I end up chatting to Mrs. P. So maybe my personality was able to come out. But historically, all the interviews I've been to previously were an unprecedented, blasting disaster. So you left Lloyd's. What happened next? What, what, I mean, the next big thing, really, you jumped from that to then 1997, you're the chairman of Millwall Football Club. Well, what, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> well, you mean nothing happened between <laughs> in those 20, in the preceding 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've obviously built up to it. So what was your next big thing after that? Some of these formative years, I didn't really achieve very much perceptually, materially, but I did actually achieve lots and lots and lots that made me the person that I eventually became and am today. For instance, after my one year as an assistant to the tea stirring filing clerk, my confidence had been knocked, even though I thought I was doing quite well. By that time, I was dating Debbie. So I'm going to give her the bad news. And her grandmother had the evening standard. And she said, well, well I'm looking at paper. Must be some jobs in the paper. And on that day, there was an advert that said, salesman required. And it was by a company called Time, T-Y-M-E, that was part of Watches of Switzerland that still exists today. Following morning, I ring up Mr. Derek Jeeves and he says, well, can you come in tomorrow? And he offered me the job on the spot and I started the following Monday. That little advert, I actually cut out the newspaper. I kept it in my wallet for about 15, 20 years. And I still have it to this day. And really, that's when I started falling in love with retail. And I found myself 
I didn't have to do a huge amount of academic things, get my confidence. I could sell blatantly. I enjoyed the subject matter. I became quite passionate about watches and retail. Uh, and in between that, I sort of veered off uh, a little bit into back into financial services, back into retail. Millwall Football Club happened to be the club out when I was uh, living with Debbie and her grandmother in South London. That would be my, my football club I'd go and visit. And when it went bust all those years ago, I did something I said I would never do, is get involved in a professional football club because I was involved in non-league football. So I enjoyed football a lot. And I got involved and had eight amazing years that I would not change for the world. We had the good, the bad and the ugly. We had the ups and downs. What I found watching you on Dragon's Den was out of the people that were on there, everybody obviously had their own specialisms and very successful. But what came across with you is that you're just raw. You don't pretend to be somebody that you're not. And you're very comfortable with yourself. I think that's the personality and the energy that comes off. You're just comfortable with who you are and your story and your background. You're not embarrassed by it. Is that a true kind of reflection? I can only play one part. You know, I'm not an actor. And this is it. I am who I am. And if it fits at the right time, it fits. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about your theme in a minute and being real is one of them. But I ask all my guests to pick a theme and yours is don't be afraid to dream in business with hard work and a bit of luck. They may come true. That's your theme. Why did you pick that? Well, I am a big dreamer. I'm a massive dreamer. And I'm a believer, unless you dream, how can you achieve something? Unless you dream of achieving it, or dream of things to do, how are you going to do it? I don't think dreams are wacky. I have lots and lots of them. And it helps you see what can happen and what can be done. You can't always achieve your dreams. It's, again, an impossibility. So you've got to be realistic. But wouldn't it be great to achieve as many of them as possible? Theo, this is really poignant with me. And, and I guess in business, we call it visualisation. We, we say have a vision for yourself. But I'm a daughter of immigrant parents. I was brought up in East Midlands. My, we lived in a tiny little terrace house, two brothers in one bedroom. I shared with my sister. And my mum and dad slept on a mattress downstairs in the front room for 15 years that's how I grew up and I remember at the age of 11 going to secondary school and one of my friends was called Joanna Steed she's still my best friend and her father owned the local upholstery business okay it was a family-run business so she was one of the rich kids but she was my friend and I used to knock on her door every morning to walk to school with her and I used to go into a hallway and I'd never seen a house like it it was beautiful sofas lovely drapes and that's when I started dreaming and you know what at 11 I used to imagine myself owning a house and having a lifestyle like that and and, and it, it wasn't like oh I've got it you know it was just in the back of my head I had a vision for myself and I guess when you have that you put steps into place and start making it happen it doesn't happen overnight it's taking I'm 52 this year I've, I've, I've achieved it but it took all that time to achieve it so I'm absolutely agree with you you've got to have you've got to think big for yourself you do and and someone might call you a fantasist right what is a fantasy What's the difference between a fantasist 
and someone that achieves or a visionary. You say vision is a visionary. So are you so you had a vision for yourself using your words? So was it fantasy or were you being a visionary? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what the only difference is? You're a visionary because you achieved it. If you hadn't achieved it, you'd you'd be a a fantasist. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the only difference. So lesson number one, you've said in order, you know, your theme is not to be afraid to dream in business and with hard work and luck, they may come true. So your lesson one is find something you're passionate about and you'll be doing it for a long time. Sometimes it takes a while to find your passion. How do you find your passion? You've just summarised it. You've got to find your passion because you're passionate work. You are going to be doing for a long time. So don't waste your life doing something you hate. You're on this planet for a nanosecond in the overall scheme of the world. Um, so don't waste it. Don't spend 45, 50 years doing something you absolutely hate. And actually, if you do something you don't enjoy that much, you're unlikely to be any good at it anyway. Finding something that is your passion is not going to happen overnight, especially when you're young. There's really nothing wrong with you know, hopping from job to job. Exactly. That's the time to do it. So you find that one that goes, a penny drops and says, you know, I really love this. I can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and go and do what I'm doing. When you yeah. get to that stage where you can bounce out of bed, not because you need the money or because you have to, but because you actually want to. And one of the greatest things that happened to me in my life was the day that I actually realized I was bouncing out of bed first thing in the morning and it wasn't for the money anymore because I'd achieved the things for my family that I wanted to achieve for myself and my family. But it wasn't. It was because I really wanted to go and do it. So it really is find it early. You'll know when you found it. You will know because it will not be a struggle to actually get out of bed. And the other point you'll realise when you do find it is you'll be in the pub or the coffee shop with your mates and you'll be boring them senseless about what you do. Once you've seen them yawning, you know you've got there. And the other thing is, you know, don't just sit in, in the bath, you know, waiting for the penny to drop. It's rare that you're going to have that eureka moment. You know, you don't have to invent something either. You yeah, can exactly. see what somebody else does and say, oh, they don't do that very well. Now, loads of people are critical of other people's ideas and what other people do. Loads. The difference is not just to be critical, but get off your backside and show that you can do it better. And then you'll see success. This podcast is brought to you by Radio Centre, who are helping businesses across the UK grow with radio advertising. Head to radiocentre.org forward slash business to discover how radio can boost your company's performance, find out how the radio process works, hear from businesses who've found success with audio advertising, access free training and even search for and be linked with stations in your area. You can find out all that and more at radiocentre.org forward slash business. Now, lesson number two, which this is music to my ears. Lesson number two, you say, use your common sense. Explain. Well, 
common sense has been mislabeled for generations <laughs> because it isn't common. It's true. I can't believe how many people have not got common sense. I'm not saying they haven't got education. I'm not saying that they haven't got loads of degrees, master's degrees, doctorates, highly academic, intelligent individuals. But my God, you want to shake them. Sometimes I've got friends like that. I mean, the most overeducated, successful people you've ever met. And you just want to shake them. Yeah. Because they'll do some silly things in their lives. I do believe that common sense is not as basic as we make it out to be. What is it then? What are you looking for? When you see somebody, you go, yeah, he's got common sense. What is it then? Can you kind of quantify it? I heard it once described as being able to work out the square root of a jar of whelks, but unable to take the <laughs> lid off the jar of whelk to have one to eat. So, you know, and there's people that will look at the jar of whelks, sit there, calculating the square roots of the jar of whelks, when really all they want to do is open it and have a whelk. Yeah, and count them. I could use the word obvious, but it's not because it was obvious. Yeah. It'd be obvious. So I do think some of that is actually built into you. I think you have to have it. Yeah. And I think, Theo, you know, like I'm a mum now of two kids. And I think like my mum and dad, they were immigrants. They didn't go to school here. So they couldn't really involve themselves in a lot of my education and things. They, I had to make those decisions myself. But with my kids... I'm like, I've done that, I've been there, so I'm trying to help them all the time. And I have to take a step back because I can see I'm knocking the common sense out of them. You've got to let people get on and make those mistakes. Otherwise, they're never going to learn, are they? Because I feel I, I like think, sometimes I mollycoddle them and that annoys yeah. me, but it's, mm, I, I don't know. I was, going to use, I, was, I was going to use that word, mollycoddle, what you just used. Yeah. And, and it's got to stop. And we don't want society to mollycoddle us. That's and right. sometimes it really well does and it irritates me. We have to make mistakes and some people will make mistakes and some people won't. We can't stop everyone making mistakes by putting our arms around them. You're never going to make a mistake because you're never going to learn anything. We learn from our mistakes. Some mistakes are actually good for you because they chisel who you are. So we, we have to allow people to do that. We can't have a society which totally and utterly dictates us that we are going to be this vanilla individual because we're not. I like the fact that we have different views. I like culture. I like the fact that the United Kingdom has got so many cultures. Came when I was six to this country. You know, I'm a first generation immigrant. And what's exciting about this country is the fact that there is all this culture. And we can all be British together. You know, it drives you nuts when, you know, there's, oh, they come to this country, they've got to be British. Well, they, they are actually, hold on, they are <laughs> British. Uh, just to let you know uh, and the fact is we're all British together but we have some different cultures which is colourful yeah. and nice and we can enjoy them and that's what's great about this country okay um, your final lesson lesson number three you have said stop being a busy fool yes yes so that, we can all do that we're all very good at that you have now seen and transferred your business environment a lot so you know from the 90s to the noughties to now this stage of tech and you know social media it's so easy to be a busy fool now what do you see and what do you mean by it well being a busy fool is doing things that there is no value outcome or limited value outcome at the end of it 
whether it's being busy doing a hobby or a sport that you're passionate about is a great thing. That's not being a busy fool. Being busy in a job that generates your income and your wealth to be able to live your life is not being, being a busy fool. What is a busy fool is, and I use it specifically in business, is being busy doing things where there's no outcome. What's the outcome of your day-to-day? What have we been busy doing today? If you hadn't done it, what would have happened? What's the value? Not just in monetary terms, but in general terms of what you've done today, whether it's at work or whether it's at home. And I'm not saying you're going to sit there and analyse it every day. You've got to analyse it over the medium and the long term. But you can see very clearly that people can spend a lot of time on social media. They can spend a lot of time in work doing tasks and jobs that keeps them busy, but there's no result at the end of it. There's no outcome. There's no productivity at the end of it. So we've got to look at what we do and what's the productivity and the value of what we do. If there isn't any, stop doing it. Mm. Don't do it just to say, I'm busy. Theo, when can you remember the time when you were being a busy fool? I'm in danger of constantly being a busy fool. Right. constantly because no no I'm deadly serious yeah you know it's like how many of these types of interviews do you do mm. and you imagine how many we get right yeah. coming in yeah. and everything else how many tv things are you do running around doing this doing that you know why are you doing them? also there's all the other non-work activities that I do Am I just being busy with that charity or am I actually doing something good or am I doing it for myself, for me to feel good? What am I generating? So what are the questions you need to ask yourself in order to prevent yourself going down the busy full route? What are the three questions, key questions that you would say to somebody? Look, you've got this activity. Before you start doing it, ask yourself these three questions. I haven't got three questions. I've only got one. Go on. One word. Why? Perfect. If you can justify the why, get on with it. If after you've asked that why, you can't really explain it to your satisfaction. And it's just cause. Cause is not an answer. Absolutely. And and link that why to your vision, to your goal, to your finances, to family, to what it's got to benefit exactly. something in your life. Absolutely. All right. Just to recap then, you talked about the theme, which was about having a vision, dreaming big and making it happen. Your three takeaway lessons were finding something you're passionate about because you'll be doing it for a long time. Lesson two was use your common sense. It's not so common, as you said. And lesson three was don't be a busy fool. Start doing the things that help you to achieve your goals that is meaningful and productive. Now, before you go, I always ask my guests, those three lessons are really important, but we want them to stick into people's mind. So if you had to put a radio jingle out there, what would it be relating to those three lessons? I'm not that creative an individual. But, but really, if, it just, if I had to put it in a, in a sentence, it would be success in business is about common sense, detail and passion, and don't forget to dream. Can you rap that or can you sing it into a jingle? I definitely cannot. <laughs> I will leave that to someone with far more talent, but really is. And I do mean it. Success in business is about common sense, 
detail and passion. And don't forget to dream, because if you forget to dream, you can't take it on further. Mr. Pafitas, I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard this, but you're inspirational, you're motivational, and you're real. So thank you very much for parting your wisdom with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you better. You're very kind. Lovely to see you and talk to you. And I wish you all the very best. Well, that's been the Backing Brilliant Business podcast with me, Syrah Khan. And I really hope you've enjoyed the many words of wisdom that came from our chat. There'll be more amazing guests to come in the series with plenty of business lessons to be learned. So please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow Radio Centre across all of their socials on Instagram at Radio Centre underscore UK and on Twitter at Radio Centre. This has been an Audio Always series co-created by Eardrum. Thanks for listening.